Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of gospel reflection, a ministry of stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome everyone to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today I'm joined by Rob Longo, Tom DeAngelis, and Matt Frad. Welcome one and all. It's good to be here, David. Thank you, David. Thank awesome. you very much. Awesome. It's a great day if everybody would get their Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 15, verses 1 through 39. We're going to walk along on this uh, passion walk with Jesus. But Rob, before we do that, do you want to break open the bread of life by inviting the Holy Spirit into our hearts? I would love to, David. Thank you. In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for being such a, a loving, merciful, patient God. Thank you for, for the gift of this moment that we could open up your word, your love letter to us, and, and just read how, how you love us so much and, and you care for us so much that you allowed, you allowed your son to, to experience this, that, um, that, that you had each of us in mind when you let Jesus uh, come into the world, when you chose to come into the world and love us and forgive us. And Lord, we just ask you please to, to send the Holy Spirit into this conversation, send the Holy Spirit into our hearts to have the, the wisdom and understanding, to, to hear what you're saying to us, and then the courage to live the word. And Lord, we ask you please to bless every single person that's listening today, that they would, and we would each take one step closer to our full and complete surrender to you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. In the Father, Father Son, Son, Holy Spirit, Spirit amen. amen. Tom, do you mind giving us a little bit of gospel love today? Sure. A reading from the gospel according to Mark. As soon as morning came, the chief priests with the elders and the scribes, that is, the whole Sanhedrin, held a council. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Pilate questioned him, Are you the king of the Jews? He said to him in reply, You say so. The chief priests accused him of many things. Again Pilate questioned him, Have you no answer? See how many things they accuse you of. Jesus gave him no further answer. So Pilate was amazed. Now on the occasion of the feast, he used to release to them one prisoner, whom they requested. A man called Barabbas was then in prison, along with the rebels whom had committed murder in a rebellion. The crowd came forward and began to ask him to do for them as he was accustomed. Pilate answered them, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that it was out of envy that the chief priests had handed him over. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release Barabbas for them instead. Pilate again said to them in reply, Then what do you want me to do with the man you call the king of the Jews? They shouted again, Crucify him. Pilate said to them, Why then, what evil has he done? They only shouted the louder, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released Barabbas to them, 
and after he had Jesus scourged, handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is, the praetorium, and assembled the whole cohort. They clothed him in purple, and weaving a crown of thorns, placed it on him. They began to salute him with, Hail, King of the Jews, and kept striking his head with a reed and spitting upon him. They knelt before him in homage. When they had mocked him, they stripped him of his purple cloak, dressed him in his own clothes, and led him out to crucify him. They pressed into service a passerby, Simon a Cyrenian, who, had, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. They brought him to the palace of Golgotha, which is translated place of the skull. They gave him wine drugged with myrrh, but he did not take it. Then they crucified him and divided his garments by casting lots for them to see what each should take. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. With him they crucified two revolutionaries, one on his right and one on his left. Those passing by reviled him, shaking their heads and saying, Aha! You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself by coming down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests with the scribes mocked him among themselves and said, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also kept abusing him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, and at three o'clock, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama samatani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the bystanders who heard it said, Look, he's calling Elijah. One of them ran, soaked a sponge with wine, put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see if Elijah comes to take him down. Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last. The veil of the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom. When the centurion who stood facing him saw how he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The, uh, <clears throat> the last line, Tom, as you read that, I was thinking of, of deathbed conversions. And here it was uh, him, Jesus' deathbed on the cross, uh, and then this centurion had his conversion. Right, so obviously G- Jesus didn't need a conversion, but on Jesus' deathbed, this man had his conversion. And, and God is just saying to us, if that was the only one, if he was the only one, I would have come to, to be born, to live, to suffer and die just for that one. And he had done the same for any one of us here, any one of you out there listening. If we were the only ones, Jesus would have come to live, to suffer, to die and to rise just for any one of us, for us to have our our conversion. So uh, thank you, Lord. And as we enter into this holiest week of the year, uh, let's just all pray for each other. You know, everybody in this community uh, listens to Reflections from the Heart. Let's just really keep each other in prayer that this holy week that we're entering into is um, is just a, a profound experience of, of relationship, growing closer to our Lord 
each and every day of the of the week. I think the other thing we learn from this gospel pas- passage and uh, comparing it with the other accounts of Christ's crucifixion is that regardless of what we've done, it's never too late for us. Uh, in Mark 15 verse 32 we read of the good thief repenting um oh i beg your pardon luke twenty three forty. that is and that's where our lord says to the good thief today you'll be with me in paradise but you cross reference that with what we just read in mark fifteen thirty two, and what we find is that he was one of those who was abusing christ right those who were crucified with him we know there was only two were abusing him And so if we're to take the gospel seriously, then we have to conclude that at one point this repentant criminal was heaping insults upon Christ. And at some point, for some reason, turned to him and said, you know, this isn't right. We we deserve the death we receive, but he doesn't. And just very humbly says, today, have mercy on me. And our Lord offers him salvation. Beautiful free gift. Amen. You said an important word, turn to him. The centurion stood facing him. And I had the image of the divine mercy image of Mm. Jesus, I trust in you. That gaze of Jesus's mercy. From the cross, he gazed at all those people who had spat on him, who had mocked him and accused him falsely, and he forgave them. So, I mean, for me, for my heart, I hope everybody turns to Christ, turns to truth, faces truth, and then says, Lord, forgive me for I'm a sinner, you know, and, and, you know, be it at a deathbed conversion or right now today, you know, just turning to God and saying, I'm, I'm sorry, please help me. I'm a sinner. And when we face to face, look at, look at Christ. He looks with love and he pierces our heart because he's filled with such mercy, such compassion, such an ache. And it's that story of the prodigal son. The father ached for that son to come back, but free will, the father let him go. But man, when he saw him coming back, he rushed and ran to greet him, to clothe him, to put his ring on, to invite him to the banquet. Even though the son didn't feel worthy, that's the way we feel. We're that tied up in sin. We don't feel worthy. But God is waiting. That father's heart is aching for us to return to him. And now's the time. I just came back from the men's conference this past Saturday. 850-some men came. And the priest said the lines for confession went for hour after hour after hour as men felt they wanted to be set free. They wanted to receive that gift of grace, that mercy, and confess and get it out and be set free. It was the most humbling, most precious moment. Had these men, different ones, come up to me and tears in her eyes just held on. And said, thank you. Thank you. I feel set free. Thank you. It's been X number of years. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen that are hearing this broadcast, the invitation's there. The choice is ours. He came and gave his life to set us free. Let us turn around, away from sin. Look at him face to face and receive his love. Receive his compassion. Receive his mercy. Say, Lord, help me. And then... I'm so grateful to be a Catholic to to go that phenomenal, phenomenal sacrament of reconciliation. Confess it and get set free and have that life, have it in abundance and become that day a new creation in Christ. Awesome. And I think about that beautiful story that you related, David, about the prodigal son. And 
how Jesus shared the love of the Father through that story. But then here we have an example of where he shows the love of the Father in his life. He acts out. He he demonstrates the love of the Father. And I'm thinking about one of the Lighthouse CDs that we have in our in our displays by Scott Hahn on the fourth cup. And um, one of the things I will take with me because I've just recently, you know, just recently heard it and realized is he talks about um, Jesus's statement at the Last Supper that I will not drink again of the cup after the third cup until I drink it in my kingdom. And he says, this is the kingdom right here, the crucifixion. This is where Jesus is in his kingdom. And we tend to think of the resurrection as the kingdom of God. But Jesus said, this, I will drink the fourth cup in my kingdom. Here on the cross is his kingdom. This is where, if we're going to be in his kingdom, this is where we need to be. We need to be uh, in sacrificial love where we're demonstrating the love of the Father, where we've made Jesus our brother, where he, he is our example, he is our model, where he's acting out that, that father's love for the prodigal son, where he pours himself out even for sinners, even for people who don't deserve it, even for people who spit in his face and who abuse him and who pierce his hands and his feet. So, Another thing that stuck, stuck out to me uh, was the manfulness of Christ. All right. So you see Pilate questioning Jesus, um, and he's going to decide whether he lives or dies. And yet even then, Christ is in charge. I love this line where it says, um, have you no answer? See how many things they accuse you of. And then it says, Jesus gave him no further answer. Like he will not be intimidated. He will not be bullied. You're allowed to think you're running the shots, but I am. And I think for men, especially what we need is this, this image of this manful Christ who demands that we submit to his holy will um, while recognizing that when he demands that we submit to him, uh, what he's actually calling us to is a life that's fully alive, right? John 10, 10, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. But we don't have this Christ who sort of pussyfoots around. We have this Christ who comes to us and essentially asks us to decide, you know, who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? You know, and and that's a great lead in because I was thinking about the what does spiritual warfare look like? And Christ gives us that example right here, because right here, the enemy of our soul, the beta Satan's been put in the water. He's trying to egg him on, to get him to, to engage, to react. And that silence crushes him. So for me, when I get attacked, when I feel like, uh-oh, this is it, immediately I go in prayer to the Father, help me. Because if I react, the enemy's got me on the hook. <laughs> and then it's a it's, it's a circus. Dun, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to one-up the next person. And I don't feel good afterwards. The person doesn't feel good afterwards. And this just happened to me yesterday. But boy, when I respond with love and love in silence, just let them know I love you. Let them know I'm sorry. And then put myself in their shoes to see where are they coming from? Where's their pain originating from? It changes the dynamics. It changes the game. Jesus remained silent. He didn't defend himself. And we know, the scriptures tell us, we're called to stand, we're called to hold, but the, but the Lord does our battles. And so that, for me, going into prayer immediately, don't react. If we're going to, if we feel like we need to react, disengage, because that's not of God. We're always called to respond with love. Tough love is tough love, but we're called to always respond with love. And if we're not, you know, feeling at peace, 
in what God is, is doing in our hearts and we're not in that communion at that moment, disengage. It's not the right time. Jesus is the answer, right? Regardless of the question. So the, earlier this week, we had a chance to uh, to help out at a high school on, in their retreat. We were with the junior class at a particular high school. And at the beginning of the day, we were going to be with them all day. At the beginning of the day, we said, this is your retreat. This is yours. And, and we're here. We're going to be, the Holy Spirit's going to work through you to, to feed us and convict us as well. And we said, we want you to just to, to, to really pray about what's, what's on your heart. What do you want to ask? What do you want to talk about? And we're going to incorporate that throughout the day. So we gave them the cards right in the beginning, blank cards with a pen. And we said, keep these cards now through Mass. We have Mass in the morning and we have a little silence after Mass. And then after Mass, when you walk out, whether you wrote something down or not, on the way out of the chapel, just put your card face down and we'll, and we'll, we'll collect them. So we did that at Mass, had some silence after Mass, and we collected the cards. And again, Jesus is the answer. So these kids had no idea that we were going to break this open. So part of the day was one of the students was the narrator. One of the students read the part of Jesus, one the part of Pilate, everybody else was the crowd, one was the centurion, and they wrote their questions down. So Jesus is the answer. So let me just read a few of these questions. Why do bad things happen to good people? If everything happens for a reason, what's the reason behind something tragic? Why does God allow his people to feel pain? So those three questions are all about suffering. And that's our common thread. That's the common bond between all of us. No matter how old, young, rich, poor, we're all going to suffer. And, and Paul says that we, we, uh, we unite our suffering, but we, we complete for, or we make up for what is lacking in the suffering of Christ. It's like, what, what can be lacking in his perfect suffering? Well, it's, what's lacking is us offering it to Christ. So these three questions that were written were all about suffering. So we did, we read the gospel and we were able to talk about it. And then someone else wrote, how can I get rid of envy? And a I've heard, beautifully honest I've, question from I, a teenager. I've heard priests say that they've been in confessions, hearing confession for years, and very rarely yes. ever hear that sin confessed. Yeah. So we don't know what, who... What self-awareness huh? isn't that this beautiful? person must have had. Isn't that beautiful? I said, and here, what did it say? Why was this caused? Jesus knew. It, it talks about envy in here. I can't find it, but right, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so it was envy. So we, well, Pilate knew it was out of envy that the chief priest handed him okay, over. Okay, yeah. there you go, right? So we're able to address envy. And then one of the students wrote, why do I, as a human being, seek for forgiveness and I don't do anything about it? What? I don't even know what that means. Well, they're, they're, he means he wants it, I but think he's he wants to forgive. Oh, I see. He wants to forgive, but he's not doing anything about it. So we're I able see. to use this as... Yeah even though we don't hear it in this version, mm. but Jesus forgives from the cross. Yeah. And he might not have felt in his humanity all lovey-dovey, but he made the decision. <laughs> I not. Right? He yeah. made the decision to forgive. So we talk about forgiveness as a decision. And then they're going through something really hard there in that area and says, how can I keep my strength and my faith when the organization I put my trust in is so corrupt? And, and they talk about like individuals, right, within the church that have made mistakes. Then we got to unpack that, that we're all human and we've all... I have failings, but that shouldn't take us away from Christ. And look at this, mm-hmm. right? There's some some human failings there that we and don't leave. We don't leave Christ because of Peter. Yes, we don't even leave Peter because of Peter. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then another student: How can I respect authority figures in my life when they don't show respect or care for me? Did Jesus ever disrespect Pilate? Did he ever outwardly? Or you know, we can't see his interior, but we know he didn't because you know he wouldn't have done that. He did not show any disrespect. So we were able to talk about. You know, respect begets respect. Love begets love. Violence begets violence. But Jesus gives us the example that even in the midst of persecution, we we respect. Right? Forgiveness begets forgiveness. Yeah. On yeah. the cross, even. So it was just amazing that these kids 
through the Holy Spirit, put these ideas down on paper in the beginning that they wanted to talk about throughout the day. And then we had this gospel that we were going to share and, and some of the main questions, like topical areas were, were addressed here, right? So Jesus came to not only show us how to die and, and that we would rise again, but he showed us how to live. He showed us how to live up to, the, up to his last breath because when that guy saw his last breath, that's when he, he came, to, came to Christ. You know, it's fascinating as we have these small groups and these gospel reflection groups, stewardship and leadership groups, and, and again, anyone can come to our website at Stewardship of Mission of Faith and, and look up how to start one, but we were at one on Monday and it was a group of men and the Holy Spirit showed me something, illuminated something that I'd never seen before this way. We were talking about Barabbas and why would they choose Barabbas over Jesus. Jesus healed people, rose him from the dead, cured people. He was, you know, he was pure love. He was truth. Why would they want a criminal, a ruthless criminal? And then the Lord took me on a journey. And he said, David, imagine yourself sitting at a keyboard. And then you're choosing to go to a website where you're going to choose to sin. Aren't you sitting there with your finger on the button making a choice? Give me sin. I want Barabbas. Or are you going to make the choice? You know what? I don't want to satisfy the crowds. All my buddies are doing it. I'm going to stand on truth. And I want to be set free. Help me, Lord. But you know what, David? How many of you fall and say, you know what, Jesus? I want my sin. Give me Barabbas. And and guess what? crucify him. Jesus, you pay the price for my choice. You die the wages of sin or death. You die. You take the punishment. You take the scourging because you know what? I want my sin. And push the button. I'm telling you right now, the most profound revelation just breaking open to me. And I'm like, it's the truth. We do it right now today. When we sit down and we with full knowledge in grave matter, make a choice of the will to sin, we say, Jesus, crucify you. you crucify christ because i want my sin and I, I it 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 hit every one of those men in the heart it hit me in the heart and i just sat there and went oh my goodness thank you for sharing that i think this happened about a week prior to christ's crucifixion too if i'm not mistaken when the crowds shouted hosanna hosanna in the highest mm-hmm. And how fickle the human heart is. And I think we've all experienced that where in one moment we're saying, yeah, praise you, Lord. Thank you for this blessing. And then another time, as you say, crucify him, crucify him. Yeah. My friend was uh, at a gospel reflection group with me yesterday, and he's going through an amazing journey. He was he had left the Catholic Church many, many years ago, and he came to our group meeting four and a half years ago, broken. His furniture was all out in the front yard. His wedding ring was smashed. And the pastor had no idea what to do with him, but he said, come with me. And he came to the group, and he's been with us for four and a half years now. And it's so precious because in that four and a half years, he has grown to know Christ, grown to love Christ. And yes, guess what? Came back into the church, came back into Holy Mother Church, because his journey has just taken him on such a profound journey of change of heart. And what he shared with yesterday was, he said, wouldn't it have been such a great honor to be Simon and to help carry Jesus's cross. And when he said those words, the Lord opened up my heart and said, David, you helped, as well as many of the other men in this group, helped carry his cross. He got a brain tumor. He got this. He got that. This man has gone through so much 
that so many men have come along wanting to be that Simon of Sari, that the Lord has inspired us to help him carry his cross. So I said to this man, I said, it is such an honor to have been chosen by the Lord to help you carry your cross, my brother, because you have been Christ to so many, and we have seen Christ flowing in, out, and through you. It is such an an honor. And and it was such a tender moment. He cried. We all got teary-eyed. And then the Lord kept opening up. And then he challenged me. And the Lord put in my heart, David, how many times have you turned down the Simons in the world that I've brought into your life, especially your wife, who have said, may I help you, sweetheart, with that? Can I help you carry that? And you know what I say? No, I got it. You know what? No, I'm good. I got that. I've got both hands full. I've got stuff on my back, and I'm trying to open the door with my teeth. But it's okay, hon. I bought it. <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I never saw that before, Lord. Through this scripture verse, I learned I was rejecting the gift, the gift that you were giving me and my wife, the gift she wanted to be to me, the opportunity for her to bless me. And you know what I'm doing? I'm falling to the sin of self-sufficiency. I got it covered. I don't need help. And oh my goodness, Lord, please forgive me. I never saw it before until just yesterday. The, the, the fact that the Lord would even choose to accept help. I mean, it's not as if in one sense that he needed it, you know, with his uh, divine nature. I'm sure he could have uh, overcome the human sufferings he was enduring, perhaps, but but that he would allow another to help him. I, I would love, I'm a bit of a science uh, geek but i would love to get into a time machine and go back and have a chat with simon of cyrene like what happened that day what was it like when you looked upon him did you notice anything different like how did that change your life and how many years did simon live after this crucifixion and what what was that like it must have been a powerful encounter you know you're right but you know the man that i helped i see christ in him he goes now to the people that are dying of cancer who have brain tumors he goes and he ministers to them. Mm, helps so, carry their yeah, cross. Yeah, he does. So I see the Christ in him. It's precious. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And this was a man who was, I guarantee you, broken. I mean, not in a healthy position. And I'm watching this beautiful man now, beautiful man. And every time we allow someone to carry our cross, we're allowing them to carry Jesus' cross, right? There's no time in eternity. So we can carry Jesus, help Jesus carry his cross when we help others carry their cross. And when I deny or when any of us denies help, we're denying the person the opportunity to, to carry Jesus' cross. Because every good deed we do now is, is felt by Jesus in the garden and on, on his way to the cross. Awesome. God bless each and every one of you and thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye now. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups, or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us 
at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, A Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.